God bless you and thank you so much, Pastor Hyden, for the warm introduction. I am ecstatic and excited of the opportunity to be here with you on today. Uh, it is with a warm privilege and an honor that I stand in this post on today. And as we are entering further into this honor series, I also want to give honor where honor is due, first and foremost, to the God of our salvation. And then secondly, to his servants, I want to honor your pastor, Pastor Hayden and his wife, Nina, who are just doing a tremendous work here in the Las Vegas Valley. Um, I am so uh, ecstatic and respectful of this particular ministry and everything that is going on here. Uh, it's just a wonderful grace and opportunity to be involved in just the work that is going forward. And I also want to recognize your pastor who is standing on the front lines uh, right now in this crazy time that we're all in. But he's standing on the front lines and he's representing righteousness and justice. And for that, I salute you, sir. Uh, much honor to you. And let's just get into this. I'm excited today to be here, as I've mentioned. Um, I don't take for granted these opportunities. Every chance that we have to stand in this post and to deliver the word of God is one that you cannot take for granted in this day and time. Um, I, I want you to know that I want to invite you to share this with someone that, that needs to hear this word. We're going to be going further in this honor series, and today we're going to be talking about honoring God with our gifts. Listen, one of the things that I recognize is this. Uh, it's, it's one thing for us to have a Zoom phone call with someone. You know, that's kind of common in this day and age. Uh, and periodically, we may go sit down and have a cup of coffee with someone. But when you invite someone to your house, that's something totally different. And I feel like an invited guest here at Walk Church today. Um, and it's not just the first time, but the second time. And so to me, again, that, that is humbling in my eyes. And uh, it's something that I certainly, certainly honor and I am excited about. We're going to jump into this word. And, um, you know, one of the things about the word of God is that you really don't have to give it any fillers. You know, I have no pressure right now because at the end of the day, it's not my intellect. It's not anything that I can do. I can't be wise enough to, to help change your heart, but it is the word of God that does the work. In Hebrews 4 and 12, it says that the living word is active and sharper, that is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it has the ability to cut and divide our soul and our spirits. And not only that, but it discerns our thoughts and it also discerns the intentions of our hearts. So when I say that, I say this, that the word of God can do the work. And simply, that's all we have to do is just stand on the word. In a time where everything is shifting and changing, the word of God is the one thing that is stable and it is a foundation that we can build our lives on with confidence. And so today I want to give you that word, but I got to give you a disclaimer as well. One of the things that I got to tell you is that this is one of those words that is going to hold you accountable. It's going to challenge you. It's going to not only provoke change, but it's going to challenge you to a level of action that is going to require you to do things differently than maybe you've heard before. And if you're anything like me, you know, sometimes I like to just stay in the dark about certain things. Like if, if, if I'm not exposed to certain knowledge, then I'm not responsible to that knowledge. But when you find out certain things, it's not that you can unlearn it, right? Once you know something, you know that, and you are then held responsible for those things. And, and I like to say it like this, when you know better, you got to do better. And so today, this word, I promise you, is going to hold you accountable and it will help all of us change. The sermon title today is The Gift of Honor. And I believe that's a bit twofold, right? 
because while it is a gift anytime you can receive honor, I also believe that God blesses us and he inherently gives us gifts that we must give back to him and honor him with that which he's given us. And so the word of God will come from Matthew chapter 25. Um, The entire story uh, is a depth of verses 14 through 27. We won't touch all of those verses, but I certainly want to encourage you to read the entirety of this because I believe this is a life-changing word that will help us all as we continue to move forward in what God is calling us to in this day and time. And so let's go before God in a word of prayer, and then we're going to dig into this thing. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, God, for the power of your word, God that speaks life into us, that as the word says, it cuts and divides and it meets us right in our place of need. Father, I pray that for each and every one that hears this word, God, that it would be life-changing, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but we would likely be doers of the word, Father, that we would put into action these things, God, that you've given us, that we would be careful to practice every word that's in it, Father God, and, and that we would seek you further. I pray for change. I pray for growth, God. I pray, Lord, that we would learn what it means to honor you with every gift that you've blessed and bestowed upon us. Father, now let every word of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And we say amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you agree with that, I just simply want you to type amen in the chat right there. All that means is, hey, I agree. Let's move forward. Let's jump into this word. One of the things that I recognize is that in this day and time, I believe what I like to refer to as many of us are in an identity crisis. And when I say that, I say this. What I mean is that we have all of these images that are in front of us, whether it's through the media, social media, uh, magazines, TV, all of these images that are professing to us what it means to have value. And so if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves uh, really looking at it as if our value is predicated on how many followers we have, uh, how many uh, likes we get, uh, how big our house is, how nice our car is, what our body image looks like, all of these things that are fleeting and temporal in this world. And so we start to value ourselves based upon what our status is in those particular areas. And so it, it becomes cloudy in our heads and, and we really don't see ourselves the way God sees us. And so we start to play the game of comparisons. You know, I'm looking at these other people and, and what is it that they have and what is it that they're doing? And if I'm not doing that and if I don't have that, then I'm invaluable. But I'm here to tell you today that your value doesn't come from those things, but our value comes from the God of our salvation. The Bible tells us simply that when God created us, he created us in his likeness and his image. And so I'll challenge your thinking today. If if the God who created all things, if he created heaven and earth, if he also designed everything and he's omnipotent, all powerful, omniscient, all knowing, he is this God of of the world and, 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 and everything that we know it to be, then how can he who created something in his likeness and image create something that does not have value? See, I'm here to tell you today that you have value. Listen, I want you to just type it in the chat right now. I'm valuable. 
because sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the value that God places on the inside of us. Because again, if we pay attention to everything around us, we will walk away feeling as though we don't have value. And it's similar to what God told Jeremiah, whom he was calling uh, as a prophet to the nations and he was commissioning and he was pushing him out in ministry. He called him and he told him and he said, listen, before I formed you in your mother's womb, he says, I knew you. I designed you. I created you with purpose. I anointed you. I appointed you. I set you apart for a specific purpose in the earth. There was a mission that I placed on your life and you have value. See, I need you to understand that I can't impress upon that enough because one of the things that happens to us is that oftentimes we are not able to identify our gifts because we are so caught up in what we don't have right? Instead of looking at what God has placed on the inside of us, we're looking at all the things that we're missing and we feel unqualified and we feel invaluable. And so when I look at this again, I think about Jeremiah's response, which was similar to the response of Moses, right? When Moses was, was called out in the desert uh, and, and he was spoken to through a burning bush and God grabbed his attention as he was commissioning him and pushing him out and utilizing him so that he can go and be the deliverer of God's people from Egypt. Egypt, they both had a similar response because Jeremiah said to God, he says, well, well, I, I can't even really speak well. So instead of hearing what God was saying to him and understanding what God had placed on the inside of him, he immediately went to his insufficiency. And so Moses, much of the same, he, he pointed out, he says, well, what, 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 I'm doing that on purpose because Moses says, I got a stuttering problem. He goes, I got an issue that, that doesn't qualify me to do that which you're calling me to do. And then he went further. He goes, well, God, if you send me back to where you're sending me, they know me. They remember all of the mistakes I've made. They're not going to listen to me. They're not going to hear me. He, he, he told God, he says, who am I to go back and say that, that I'm coming in the authority of? God says, you tell them that I am sent you. Because when God said that he was he knew that he was everything that Moses needed in that circumstance, that it wasn't in Moses's power, but it was in God's power that was working through him. And so he kept validating him. He kept giving him the strength and understanding to know that, that, hey, I've given you what you need. And he asked him a specific and an interesting question. He looks at Moses and he says, what's that in your hand? And I can imagine Moses looked around. He's just like, what are you talking about? He goes, what's in your hand? And he looks down and, and he says, I got a staff here. He says, throw the staff on the ground. Moses throws the staff on the ground. And the next thing that happens lets me know that Moses is one of the smartest people in the Bible because that staff turns into a snake and it says that he starts running. And I could imagine if it were me, I'd do the same thing. I'm not going to stick around to find out if it's a poisonous snake, if it's not a poisonous snake, if it's a harmful, harmless. I'm not trying to hear any of it. I'm trying to get out of Dodge, right? If there's a snake around. And before he could get too far, God stops him and he says, hey, wait, Moses. He says, now put your hand down and pick up the staff. He picks it up, the snake by its tail, and it turns back into a staff. Now, what God was trying to get Moses to see is that he had already gifted him with everything that he needed in order to do what he was calling him to do. And my question for you today is what has God placed and left in your hands and how can you honor him with it? You see, this is an important question because as I'm trying to get us to understand that God has gifted each and every one of us, I also need us to understand that there's a specific purpose for the gifts that God has given us. So if I might ask that question again, what has God placed and left in your hands 
and how can you honor him with it? Jumping into this text in Matthew chapter 25, Matthew being one of the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and this story is told in each of these gospels, but I stole it from the one in Matthew. And and when I say synoptic, it simply is just a synopsis or a vantage point or viewpoint of Matthew's eyewitness of this particular passage. And he is telling this story uh, from the perspective of of Jesus' teaching to his disciples, and he's telling this gospel story which is simply just the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And and this story talks about the parable of the talents. Now, Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, he often spoke in parables. I like to refer to parables as stories with natural lessons that convey spiritual principles. So Jesus often would speak to them right where they were where they could understand in the cultural context of the lives that they live. Oftentimes he'd speak in in agricultural terms because they were farmers and some of them were fishermen. And so he'd talk about those things. And in this particular case, he talked from a particular perspective where he talked about talents. Now, talents at that time were units or weights of currency. But when we use the word talent in our current language, we know talents to be gifts, skills and abilities. And so it makes sense because he takes this natural principle and then he applies it to them for a spiritual perspective that they can gain understanding. And the disciples oftentimes would wait until they were alone with Jesus and they'd say, "Okay, you were talking about something out there and we didn't quite understand what you were talking about. Can you tell us? They'd wait until they got them all alone and and Jesus could could almost laugh at them because he would ask questions. and He'd say, how long am I going to be with you? He'd say things like, you know, when is your faith going to grow? When are you going to mature? But he'd be kind and gracious enough to explain to them what it meant. But he spoke to them in this particular parable. And it's one of the parables that I love in Scripture in Matthew chapter 25. If you jump in at verse 14, you'll see that there is a story about a man um, or a, a, a person that was in a position of leadership. And it says that he went away on a journey, but he left behind responsibility to those who were following. And so uh, if we jump into verse 15, uh, I'm going to read that really quickly. And so we can get it directly from the word of God. It says that this master, as he was leaving to go on this journey, it says that there were three servants that he called. And to one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. And then to another, he gave one. But he gave each according to his ability And then he went away. I think it's very important that we stop and pause here for a moment so that we can understand the distribution plan of this master. You see, when he gave out the talents, in other words, if we talk about it from our perspective, when he was giving out gifts, he gave it in accordance with their ability. And I know when you first hear that, you think to yourself, well, that's not fair. You know, he gave one five and one two and one one. How come he didn't give them all the same amount? But what you must understand is that the master obviously knew more than what we know. And when he distributed it, he gave it based upon their ability to handle their capacity to take and their maturity to steward. And so I love this because uh, one of the things that we have to be uh, cognizant of is that uh, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse three. And and I'll get into the first part of this verse a little bit later when it says, don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. But the last part or the clause of this scripture that I want us to get, it says that we must think of ourselves according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to us. So understand, each of us has been given a measure of faith. 
God understood when he gave us gifts, when he gave us skills, when he gave us talents and abilities, it was based upon our capacity and our ability to handle and to steward those very things. And so going into this story a little further, he gave out five to one, he gave out two to another, he gave out one to the last one. And it says that he goes away on this journey and over a course of time, they were given those gifts and those talents and they held on to them. And it says the one that was given the five, it says that he put it to work, that he took those things that he was given He invested them. He put them to work and then he doubled it and he turned five into ten. Then it goes on to talk about uh, the, the servant who had two. It says that he took the two. He invested it. He put it to work. He put the talents to work. And then all of a sudden he doubled his over and the two turned in to four. And so when we get down to verse 23, I'll tell you about the guy who he gave one to in a second. When we get down to verse 23, it says uh, that the master, he came back after some time and he came back to check on his investment and see what they had done with what he had given them. And if you open up and look at verse 23, it says that the master said to them upon returning uh, to the ones who had given the five, who he given five and one he had given two, it says that they came to him and they reported what they had done and they showed that they were able to invest and to increase what they had given, what he had given them. And it says that his words to them was well done, good and faithful servant says you've been faithful over little and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I love this because the master comes back and he says to them, you've been faithful over what I've given you. I know when I gave it to you, it didn't seem like much. He says, but now you have turned that into more and now I can make you responsible for more because you've shown that you can be trustworthy and you can properly steward the talents that I left behind. And so the part that I really love is that it says enter into the joy of your master, which just lets us know that it pleased the master, that they were willing to put it to work and to not only do that, but to honor him by bringing back what he had first given unto them. You see, the other servant who he'd only given one, obviously he understood this before he gave it out. And that's why he only gave him one, because when he reported back, he says, well, what did you do with what I gave you? And he says, I knew that you were a hard master and I wanted to make sure I was able to give you back what you gave me at a, at a minimum. And so I went and I hid it and I dug up a hole. I hid my talent and I covered over it so that it could be protected. And the response from the master is probably not what you would expect in this circumstance. But he says, you wicked and slothful servant, you should have done more with what I gave you. You see, I gave it to you with a purpose in mind. Not that you would just sit on it, not that you would just hide it away, not that you would just shield it, but, but there's a purpose that I give you what I give you. And this is much like how God deals with us. God gives us gifts, not so that we could sit on them, not so that we could hide them, but so that we can find a way in this earth to glorify him, to honor him through the gifts that he's given to us. And so he displeased the master in his actions, in the circumstance. And so I have a question for us. How do we honor God with what he has given us? We see this story and we see what happened in this parable, but, but how can you look at your personal life and how can you honor God with the gifts that he's been giving you? So there are three honor principles that I want to give us today. And these are simply principles by which we can focus the attention of our hearts on honoring God with our gifts. 
three honor principles. And, and Pastor Hyden's done such a tremendous job in the weeks prior in breaking down what honor is so that we can get an understanding of the value of honor. And, and, I, and I almost liken it to, to the glory, right? So when we honor God, we, we give him glory. And, and God's glory is his weight. It's his splendor. It's his opulence. It's our way of bringing attention to God. So when we honor God, we honor someone in a high position. Anyone that honors anything or anyone, they, they give glory. They bring magnification to that thing. Psalms 104 says that when we come into God's gates, we come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's bringing honor. When we come in the presence of one who is great, we come with honor in mind. And, and so this is something that we have to do. And with these three honor principles, the first one that I want to open up to us is that we must recognize the source of our gifts. We must recognize the source of our talents. In other words, when we talk about a source, where is the origination point? Where do these gifts come from? Where do these talents come from? In the parable, the master left them with talents. The Bible says to us in verse 14 that he entrusted them with his property. So he gave them something. This was something that first came from him that belonged to him and he imputed and entrusted it to them. This is much like what God does to us. Every gift, every talent, every skill, every ability that God has given you, we must recognize that the source is from him. Amen. And so James 1 and 17 tells us as well, it says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In other words, this is telling us that we are getting our gifts from an unchanging God who is perfect. And not only is he perfect, but he gives us a perfect gift a good gift, a perfect gift. And you may be saying, well, how can my gift be perfect? I'm not a perfect person. Well, what you got to understand is that God gives specifically to us based upon, once again, our capacity and our abilities. And so the gift is perfect for you and for the call that he has on your life. And God has an intention when he gives you gifts that you can use them ultimately for his glory. And he wants to use you in a specific way. Listen, I'll have you know something. I've had a chance to talk in many places. I've talked all over this world and I've had a chance to have a level of impact and influence, but that means nothing because at the end of the day, there are gifts that you possess that I can promise you, you can touch people that I'll never have the opportunity to reach. I won't even have the ability. I won't even be received by certain people. But God has gifted you in such a way that he's given you a sphere of influence that there are people that are waiting for the gifts that he's placed on the inside of you. The second honor principle is this, that we must realize the function of our gifts. In other words, how do we exercise the use of the gifts that God has given us? In Psalm 37 and 5, it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Amen. I love this because there's a common word that you'll hear me give in these next two scriptures. But that word is commit. It says if we commit our way to him and we got to commit a lot of things to God, we got to commit our ways, our hearts, our lives. And we must also commit our gifts to him. Amen. This is how we honor him by committing back to him what he gave to us in Proverbs 16 and three, which is my favorite scripture in all of the Bible. It says, commit your plans to the Lord or your ways to the Lord, and he will establish them or make your plans successful. You want to know how to 
obtain success in this life. I know success looks like money. Success looks like fame and notoriety, but that's not real success. Real success comes when we honor God and when we walk in his purpose and in his ways and when we are out impacting others for the kingdom of God. This is true success. And when we commit our plans, when we commit our gifts to him, it says he is the one that establishes our ways. He's the one that gives you the success. You don't have to worry about going out and acquiring success. You go out and you do the work of God and he will make you successful in him. Amen. Colossians 3 and 23, once again, the word commit, it says, commit all that you do as unto God and not unto man, for we know that our reward comes from him. Amen. And so when we do whatever it is that we do, we commit it back as unto God. This is uh, a relative to us giving our gifts back to him. So understand there are some things that God gives us and it's real easy for us to get confused and to think that the gifts that we have are for our own benefit. But at the end of the day, we got to remember uh, in honor principle number two that we got to realize the function or the operation of our gifts, which takes me to the last honor principle, which is that we must acknowledge the purpose of our gifts acknowledge the purpose of our gifts. Why has God given us the gifts that he's given us? Well, 1 Corinthians 10 and 31 says that whatever we eat or whatever we drink or whatever we do, we should do it all. Somebody say all, type all in the chat, all to the glory of God. It's all about honoring him in everything that we do. It's easy for us to get caught up in the whole idea of, of what's in it for me, right? We live in a what's in it for me world. Like what I do, I want to gain something from it. How much money can I make? How much attention can I bring to myself? But it's not about what you can bring to yourself. It's about lifting up Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible tells us that if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. And the context of that scripture was simply even when he was on the cross and he stood there and he was above all things. And when he was lifted up, every one had to recognize that he was truly the son of God. But he's telling us even now that when you lift me up, when you honor me, when you raise me up in the eyes of men, I have the ability to now draw all men unto me. Isaiah 42 and 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name, my glory. I will yield to no other. God's not going to share his glory with anyone. The Bible simply tells us, it says that the Lord whose name is jealous this is Exodus 34 and 14. I know if you don't believe me, go check it out yourself in the Bible. I know you may be saying, well, God, that's kind of narcissistic. He's saying that his name is jealous. But guess what? He reserves that right. He is the father of all things. He is the one that sits high and looks low. He is above everything on the earth, in the earth and above the earth. The Bible tells us that he won't share his glory with another. So he is to be honored in everything that we do, everything that we say, everything even that we think. I loved it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching Pastor Hyden and he gave the Walk Church distinctive and he talked about the expectation of honor. You see, that was so important to me because I believe, again, that's twofold, right? Be because we walk in an expectation that we would honor God, but God also expects honor, God expects glory because he is the one that deserves it at all times. As I begin to close this thing out, I, I really want us to gather a couple of things because oftentimes there's usually one of two things that are going on, right? Earlier, we talked about not really being able to identify what our gifts are. 
And sometimes we feel like, hey, if I'm not standing up there talking or if I'm not on TV shooting a basketball or, or throwing a baseball or, or I'm this famous politician, then I, I really don't have a gift. I don't have value. I don't have purpose. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that you are filled with purpose, that you are filled with giftings that God gave to you for specific reasons. And, and one or two things are often happening. One is that we have an identity struggle that I talked about, and we are like the, the servant in the scripture who buried his gifts. He was afraid. He, he, he didn't know what to do with it. And so instead of utilizing what had been given to him, he went and he buried and he hid it away. And that's one group of people. And then the other group of people are like the ones that I mentioned in the first part of Romans 12 and three, where they're thinking of themselves more highly than they ought to. Right. And so they're a little too confident in the gifts that they have. And then they lose sight of the source of those gifts, as we talked about. And they begin to believe that their gifts are for them. And, and how can I speak on that? Because I I am one who's been there. I am one who's been there. As one who's experienced a lot of success in this life, I oftentimes became a very prideful individual. And as scripture says in James 4, 1 through 3, it talks about a quarrel that's going on on the inside of our members. And it says that, that there is this fight that we are internally struggling with. And part of the reason for that fight is because we, we, we want and we don't necessarily have what we want. We're always desiring things of this world and, and we don't have it. And then the Bible goes on to say uh, that, that the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. And you hear that and you say, okay, well, that's simple. All I got to do is ask God if, if I don't have and then I can receive. And then it goes on further. This is why I love the Bible. It says the reason that you don't receive when you ask is because you ask that you may get what you want and that you may use it for your own personal selfish gain. You see, when we uh, mishandle our gifts and we want everything to work in our favor and we're not considering honoring God with what he's given us, then we become like those in Romans 12 and 3 and we start thinking of ourselves a little more than we should. I heard Pastor Hyden say in an interview one time that basketball had become his God and it later became his gift. And it wasn't until that transition point that he understood how to best steward what God had given him. And the reason this resonated so strong with me and I made note of it is because once again, I've been there. I've been that one. As one who had an opportunity to play at the highest level of competitive football in this world and do it for almost a decade, guess what? I used to think of myself a little more highly than I ought. For a long time, I, I ate or drank the juice of believing that, that I was something that I really wasn't. And I started thinking that I was designed and created and that my gift was the game of football, but that gift was for me so that I can go be famous and so that I can make all of this money and so that all of these doors would be open to me. And God later began to show me through humbling me through what was perceived as failure, but ended up being some of the greatest things that could have ever happened to me, drawing me closer to him. And I began to realize that, that the gift was given to me, not for me, but so that God could give me a platform. He could give me influence and he can give me the opportunity to speak into the lives of others. And so I began learning to train myself to utilize that gift for the right reasons. It was about honoring God. And what I need us to know is that it's not about what we can do. Don't get it confused. Your gift is not about what you can do, but your gift is about who gave you the gift in the first place. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it's important that we get this because this is a very important point. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith 
And this is not of yourselves. It's not about you. It's a gift of God and not by works, not by your gifts so that no man can boast. You can't boast in something that didn't come from you. The gifts that you have came directly from God and specifically for his purpose. And when you walk in true fulfillment is when you learn to use what God has given you so that you can make everyone around you better and so that you can lift up God in the eyes of people and people can be drawn to him so that the kingdom can be enhanced and the kingdom can grow. I thought about something. Jesus, when he laid down his life, he also laid down his gifts because he was in a position where at any time he could have sent a legion of angels to destroy everyone. He didn't have to endure everything that he endured, but he subjected himself to man and gave himself over with a motive of love because of what he cared for. And he loved us so much that he gave his life so that he would die, that he would be buried and he would raise again for our redemption and giving us a right to the tree of life and the opportunity to walk and live a life of salvation through him. Amen. But it comes by grace. It's not by our works. Our gifts serve a purpose, but our gifts don't save us. Amen. And so we must know that the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible tells us that the, the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And this gift is free. This is something that you have the opportunity to receive today. And so I want to give you an invitation today. First and foremost, I want you to, to understand that you have value. I need you to know that God created and designed you with a specific value and purpose and that no matter what you've been through up until this point in your life, no matter what your past says, no matter what your mistakes say, God says you are valuable and I've gifted you for a purpose. And whether or not you're aware of that purpose, whether or not you even understand what this means, I need you to know that you can walk in relationship with him where he can reveal specifically what your purpose is. And if we can't honor God with our lives, we certainly can't honor God with our gifts. And so, I offer to you today an opportunity as I begin to pray and close out this message. I want to let you know this, that God loves you and that he is standing there at the door of your heart knocking. Maybe this is the first time that you've heard the gospel message. Maybe this is the first time that you have an opportunity to come into the knowledge of what it means to walk into a relationship with Christ. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we are saved. You have an opportunity today that if this message has touched your heart, if you're looking for how, how do I how do I even get to that point? You know, I look at everything in, in football vernacular is probably just a, a, a glitch in my brain for the rest of my life. But I kind of look at everything athletically. And, and the way I see it is this is is how can you be in the game if you're not on the team? And so I'm inviting you to the team of Christ today. Amen. And he offers this free gift to us. Not only does he gift us uh, with talents and abilities, but he gives us the greatest gift of all. God gave his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And so as I pray for us that we learn to better operate in our gifts and honoring God, I also want to pray for that one who's there who may be giving their life to Jesus today for the first time. And so let's go to God in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this word. 
we thank you, God, that you say that your word will go out and it will accomplish what you set it forth to do, that it will not return unto you void. And so we know, God, that as your word goes out and it permeates the hearts and the minds of your people, Father, that you will move us to a place of change. We thank you, Lord, for revealing to us today uh, how we can access our gifts, God, and the purpose for those gifts. Furthermore, God, we understand more that you are the source of every gift that we may obtain. Father, I appreciate you. I honor you, God, for your preach word, God. We thank you for the power that's associated with it. May you encourage every listener. May you encourage everyone that's watching, God. May they be able, Lord, to, to understand, God, the call that you've placed on their life. May they walk, Lord, in confidence, not in themselves, God, but confidence in you. Father, I pray, Father, that we would maximize that which you've given us, Lord, that we would not be like the slothful servant who, who went and buried away his talent and his gift, God, but we want to take everything that you've given us, Lord, put it to work, and may it be productive, Lord, so that the kingdom may enhance God and lives may be touched and people may be exposed to understanding more of who you are. God, we pray now for that one who does not know you. And we come to you now, God, thanking you for the gift of salvation, God. For your word tells us that simply all we have to do is believe and confess, God, and that we offer ourselves to you, God, and you are there to help us, to strengthen us, to bring us into the family of the eternal salvation that you offer us, God, that we can walk in the newness of life, that old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those who are making this decision today to give their life to you. May you enhance them. May you strengthen them. May you encourage them. May you surround them with support. May they find themselves, Lord, in a place, Lord, that is different than where they were before this day began, God. That this be a day of change, Lord, that they will never look back and be who they used to be because you offer us this gift. Father, we love you, we honor you, and we magnify you, and we give you glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you pray that prayer today, I know some people over here at Walk Church that would love to hear from you. If it's in the comment section, if you're going to their website, let them know that you made that decision so that they can help steward and they can help walk you through what it means to live a life of salvation and to walk in this new free gift. I praise God for this opportunity and I'm sending it back over to Pastor Hyden.